0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, when the pandemic first hit back in March of 2020, uh, when it first hit, really a few days before, I was in the hospital with my wife, Courtney, uh, and she had just given birth to our daughter, Kate. This was March 10th, and I could not wait to be quarantined for the next week or two, not having anything to do with the pandemic, of course. I was so excited because the timing of this meant that in the days after our daughter was born, I was gonna be able to do nothing but watch the ACC basketball tournament. And so I sat there in our hospital uh, room one day, it was March 11th, I think, and I looked up on the TV and I saw that they had canceled the NBA season and then they would canceled the Big Ten tournament and then they canceled the ACC tournament right before UVA's first game. And I just threw my hands up in the air and I thought, what in the world am I going to do now for the next couple of weeks or next couple of days? and i was doing so like a child myself and um, of course courtney was sitting there in the hospital bed holding our newborn daughter and she simply looked at me and then she looked at the baby and kindly rolled her eyes of course i was going to be changing diapers over the next couple of days but uh, once sports finally came back in the summer of 2020 i sort of went on a binge i was uh, just obsessed with watching sports and in some ways. I haven't looked back. I love sports. I love watching games I love playing games when I was growing up though. The world seemed fairly separated or divided. It seemed to me between people who loved uh, Watching sports who loved playing sports and people who didn't um, but recently in years past Um, It seems to me that after one incredible sports documentary comes out after another, the world has sort of come together around sports and sports entertainment. Um, You don't have to have watched a single basketball game in your life, but the most recent Michael Jordan documentary was one that a whole lot of people, it seemed like just about everybody, watched this past summer. And if you still don't think of yourself as a sports fan, uh, please shoot me an email. I'll quickly recommend a dozen or so documentaries, um, or really anything written by the guy named Wright Thompson, who I think I've preached about before, and I think he's uh, one of America's finest writers who happens to be... A sports writer. Um, I'll recommend all sorts of things to you that if you don't like watching sports you'll still love reading or watching these stories because there's something about sports uh, I think or I've found that is so captivating. And what is it is an appropriate question. What is it about sports and games that entertain and intrigue us so much? I certainly don't have the definitive answer on that, but I have a few thoughts. And when we watch someone uh, who on TV or on a field or uh, maybe even one of our kids, uh, when we watch someone striving and struggling, when we watch someone succeeding and failing in the pursuit of excellence as we do when we are watching sports, there's something at work before our eyes that feels simultaneously very far off and very near at the same time. What I mean by that is that we can and we cannot relate to what we're seeing. Most of us can't relate to the physical strength or the skill that we're seeing in an NBA player or the women's national soccer team. But, and I know that I'm always also in awe of their mental focus and determination. Those things, the mental side and the physical side of things for these athletes seems very far off to me. But I think that we can all relate somehow to the emotions of desire to achieve something that these men and women wear on their sleeves. We can relate to the highs and the lows of it all as the drama plays out on the field and also off the field. And finally, we can relate to that release that comes with victory that we see or the agony or the pain of defeat. Watching or playing sports can be a profound snapshot of our lives in many ways. We say that it's just a game, but it's the emotions and it's the stories on and off the court that captivate us so profoundly, so deeply. Someone trying desperately to get to a finish line, a place that they want, but they haven't, a place where they want to be, but a place that they haven't gotten to yet sports exaggerate the emotions of our dreams or our goals or maybe even the feeling of validation or acceptance that we're longing for of someone considering themselves or feeling themselves to be a successful person sports can exaggerate this success or failure but because this is happening to someone else on a tv screen more often than not it's very entertaining it's a lot of fun and in our reading from Ephesians this week, St. Paul uh, says something about all of this, I think, in an interesting way. St. Paul is speaking to an audience of Gentiles in this letter to the Ephesians, Uh, and by Gentiles we mean people who were at once outside of the Jewish covenant with God, Um, people who have since, however, become believers and followers of Jesus. This is who Paul's writing to, and he's reminding them of who or where they once were and what they now have become. Paul says this, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have come near by the atoning blood of Christ. Paul says far off and near here, referring to those who lack and those who have full legal and religious rights in the Jewish community as the people of God, people who felt and were considered to be on good terms, basically, with God, who are in a good state of being. The Gentiles were once foreigners with no share in the privileges of Israel, but now they've become fellow citizens of saints. And Paul emphasizes, and he really begins this letter to the Ephesians by reminding them of this, so that they won't lose sight of what they've been given in the grace of Christ, what has overcome them, what it is that they've overcome rather, and the way in which this thing has been overcome. What is it? What do we mean here uh, for something to be far off? Well, I bring up sports at the beginning of this to think about goals, uh, something we want to achieve, or rather something more deep and existential, uh, who we want to be, where we want to be in our lives. Um, the person that we dream of becoming, but we feel profoundly and in a heavy way that we aren't that person right now. Uh, To feel like you're not where you want to be or the feeling that others are not where they want to be is something that uh, arrests a lot of us. And whatever it is, whatever this means, I think it communicates that there's some sort of division in the world between Uh, us and where we want to be, and in our self-righteous moments, that division is uh, communicated by way of saying, you're not where I think you should be. Things are not as they should be for us, and they're not where they should be for you, perhaps. So what is it, or um, what do we have to do to bridge the gap, is the way that we often phrase our response to this dilemma that we all experience what is it that we need to do to bridge the gap to get our lives and this world where we want them to be my most recent sports obsession is really a totally new one to me i've never watched nascar or any other kind of car racing before in my life Um, but i've recently just started watching this show on netflix called formula one drive to survive it's about formula one racing It's about the teams and the drivers behind it all, and I really couldn't recommend it anymore. Like I said, um, race car driving of any sort isn't usually my thing, but the drama that you see on and off the racetrack is just unparalleled. These men and women who are Literally, they're racing for a living and they'll do whatever it takes to win on and off the racetrack, as I said, to get where they want to be. Um, like I said, I, I don't really know anything about F1, so the format of F1 was actually an interesting thing to me. There, there are 10 teams and each team has two cars and two drivers that enter every race and they accumulate points each week as a team between uh, their two drivers. And the drivers themselves also rack up points to see who uh, who can win the championship to be the best driver as well as the best team at the end of the season. And the teams work together until the rubber finally meets the road and then it's every man for themselves. There's cheating, backstabbing, whatever it takes to get to the top plays out in this great show. And one of the most profound scenes takes place in an episode that focuses on the Mercedes team. They've dominated and won the team title for the past five or six years, and their top or their number one driver, Lewis Hamilton, has won the prize for top driver over those years as well. But the episode really focuses on this man named Valtteri Bottas. He's the Mercedes clear number two driver. And they show the they, they show Botas winning second place and sort of celebrating on the podium with the silver medal time and time again as his teammate, his friend, Lewis Hamilton, takes first place. You see him celebrating second as his team and his pit crew, all the people involved celebrating with champagne and confetti week after week, year after year, and there's Botas time and time again dripping with a look of dissatisfaction and honestly quite a bit of sadness on his face. And you can see the resentment between these two teammates uh, who have now turned enemies, it seems, in the way that they look at each other, in the way that they speak to and about one another. And in an interview towards the end of the episode, Botas simply looks at the camera and he says, this is awful. I'm not where I want to be. I don't know where I'm going to be next year. I don't know what I'll be doing. You can see the pain and the desperation in the eyes of this man who you would think would be celebrating but instead his heart and his mind are somewhere far off. He feels and he looks like a broken man. I think it turns out that there's a question, or there's a problem rather with the question, what do we have to do to bridge the gap between where we are and where we want to be? When we phrase the question, what do we have to do? The solution is then placed in our hands. And when the solution is placed in our hands, we all turn into sort of professional athletes of life who are in competition. And uh, one a competition in which we scratch and we claw and we push and we call out and we condemn and we sabotage and we scapegoat our neighbors who we see as our opponents and our obstacles set out in our own path. But we also experience, even if it's not an experience of hostility towards other individual people, maybe we're just running a solo race and trying to get to where we want to be. But if the solution to getting where we want to be lies in our hands alone, the race sadly becomes one of futility in the grand scheme of things. But as Paul reminds the Ephesians and us in our passage this week, the solution or the possibility of a solution to our broken hearts and to this divided world, ultimately, it doesn't rest in our hands. Thank God, instead, Jesus himself is the solution. The solution rests in his hands. Paul writes, In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall. That is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace and and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. When it comes to the important matters of life, when the place we want to be is the successful place of being fully known, of being fully loved, well, then it's not a matter of what we need to do to win that game, to be, uh, to place ourselves in that place. It's a question of what needs to be done for us, or rather what has been done for us. Because on the cross, Jesus won the race for all of us, or whatever game it is that you're sweating out in your life, whatever weight you're feeling, whatever um, competition with your spouse, with your boss, with your fellow classmate, with your children, with You name it, maybe it's just the world, and maybe you even feel like it's a competition between you and God. That competition, that game, that game has been won. On the cross, Jesus delivered us all to the place that we want to be. The place of being fully forgiven, of being fully known, and being fully loved. On the cross, all divisions between us, all divisions between you and the person you wish you could be, all of it was defeated on the cross and drowned for good once and for all with enough champagne and confetti for each and every one of us. Amen. Our response to this gospel message is one of belief. Traditionally.